0: Thank you, Gene. (laughs) Didn't you enjoy that? Praise the Lord. That's what God's doing among us. You know that? He's working miracles. He's changing lives. He's bringing homes back together. That's not the power of the gospel. I don't know what it is. Pastor told me before he left, he said, Jerry, I don't want you preaching twice on Sunday. So I won't. I preached this morning and tonight it'll just be a sermonette. I'm not going to keep you long. But I want to tag right on to Gene's testimony. I didn't know what he was going to say tonight. I had kind of an idea. And Jesus said right after he taught us how to pray the Lord's Prayer, he said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. I want to talk tonight about the consequences of bitterness. What happens in our lives if we don't get rid of it? An unforgiving spirit harboring that within our heart, what does it do to us? Four things. The first one is this. A lack of forgiveness... And harboring bitterness prevents God from freely forgiving us. I've just read the basis of that. If we forgive, then God will forgive us. If we fail to forgive, then God won't forgive us. Also, Jesus went on later, as Matthew records and tells a little parable. And he said that there was a king and he had a servant and the servant owed him a large sum of money. And he came and he just fell before the king and he said, Please forgive me of my debt. When this Bible was translated, that debt was recorded at $52,800,000. Probably in today's figures, it's, I don't know what it is, $60 million. And the king just forgave it. The the servant said, I'll, I'll pay you back. I don't know what he had in mind to pay him back that amount of money, but he said, I'll pay you back. But it was foolish because the debt was so big. He had an unpayable debt. And so he was all excited about the king because he had forgiven him that debt. He just said, well, if you feel that way, I'll wipe your debt clean. And then this same servant came to someone who owed him money, and then as this Bible was translated, it was $44. (laughs) Very small sum of money compared to what he had owed the king. And he said, now you've got to pay me. And he wouldn't release the man of that debt that he owed him. And the king found out about this man's attitude and his unwillingness to forgive others in a small thing after he'd been forgiven in such a big thing. And he said, all right, now you'll have to go and pay your debt. Guess who the king is? The king is represented as God himself. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And Jesus said, if you bring, therefore, your gift to the altar, and there remembers that your brother has aught against you, leave, therefore, thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. We can't arbor that forgiveness. In the same measure you measure, Jesus said, it shall be measured unto you. And so the first consequence of a bitterness and an unforgiving spirit is that it prevents God from fully forgiving us. The second consequence. The second consequence, a lack of forgiveness sets us up above God himself. We become the judge. And in Romans chapter 12, which is sort of a practical guide for Christian living, and especially living in the Spirit. In verse 17 of that chapter, Paul said this, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Then verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath for it is written, written vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord in other words that is god's job for vengeance is god's job so when we take vengeance into our own hands when we take that bitterness into ourselves we're taking his position and if you're familiar with campus crusade or if you're if you're uh, familiar with uh, Our discipling program, we talk about the throne of our lives. And what we're really doing, that moment when we take a bitterness and are willing to hold on to it or not willing to forgive, we take the throne of our lives. And we dethrone God if he's there. And we take his place. And because of that, it's impossible, I believe, to live a sanctified life where God is supposed to be on the throne when you have dethroned him because you have become the judge in that situation. A bitter spirit, secondly, sets you above God. So first of all, a bitter spirit prevents God from freely forgiving you. Secondly, it puts you in the place in your life where he needs to be. The third consequence of an unforgiving spirit is that it stops your witness as a Christian. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for the other. And when you harbor bitterness in your heart, you're not having love one for the other, and men will not know that you're a disciple. Your witness cannot be for Christ if you have an unforgiving spirit. And you lose your power because in Ephesians it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and, and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then here's Pastor's verse. And be ye kind one to the other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Because, you see, the Holy Spirit is grieved when you retain bitterness. And He is your power. His presence in your life is your power. And when you grieve Him, He can no longer be the power, the dynamic of your life. And when He is grieved, then the fruit of His presence stops love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, gentleness, self-control begins to stop because he's quenched. You've quenched his presence. So when you harbor bitterness in your heart, your witness and your power as a Christian just wanes, goes right from you. And the fourth thing that happens as a consequence of bitterness is that you literally make yourself sick. In a book entitled The Art of Understanding Yourself, Cecil Osborne says this, Guilt, whether real or false, can be handled in only two ways. It must either be forgiven or punished. If we cannot secure forgiveness, we find a way to punish ourselves physically, mentally, circumstantially. It seems to be an Inexorable cosmic law. But then it is not God who is punishing, but the condemnatory self. Whether we call it health problems, spiritual problems, or impaired emotional adjustments, we are talking about the same thing because man is is body, soul, and spirit, and what affects one affects them all. If there's inner conflicts and tension and anxiety and guilt and bitterness at some point in someone's life, then the individual has a tendency to manifest this spiritual disease by some physical symptom. If he does not, his disease may take the form of a psychic masochism, an unconsciousness, an unconscious need to punish himself. He may come accident-prone, trouble-prone, disaster-prone, or bad-judgment-prone. Men who have known to make a succession of incredibly bad decisions resulting in inevitable failure. When their friends and their relatives united in warning against the results of such decisions, well, this is a course of totally unconscious mechanism by which the self is punished for real or imaginary guilt. Could it be that maybe in Gene's testimony, when his family was in desperate straits, that was a way of perhaps punishing himself for that bitterness that was on the inside? Because you have just two options. You're either going to forgive it or it's got to be punished. In the book entitled None of These Diseases, Dr. McMillan says this. In his chapter entitled, uh, It's not what you eat, it's what eats you. The sincere acceptance of the principles and the teachings of Jesus with respect to the life of mental peace and joy and the life of unselfish thought and clean living would at once wipe out more than half the difficulties, the diseases, and the sorrows of the human race. In other words, more than one half of the present afflictions of mankind could be prevented by the tremendous, prolific power and actual living, living up to the personal and practical spirit of the real teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, people actually get sick when they harbor bitterness. And in his chapter entitled, The High Cost of Getting Even, we find these words. The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. Jesus said that same thing. He said, agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him, lest at any time you become his prisoner. And that's what the doctor's saying here. The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I cannot enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. The work I formerly enjoyed is now a drudgery. Even vacations don't give me any pleasure. The man I hate hounds me wherever I go. Gene said I just relive this daily. I relived it daily. I can't escape this tyrannical grasp of my mind. When the waiter serves me Porterhouse steak and French fries and asparagus and crisp salad and strawberry shortcake smothered with ice cream, I might as well have stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy it." And Proverbs says, "Better is a dish of vegetables with love than the beef than the best beef served with hatred." The man I hate may be many miles from my bedroom, but more cruel than any slave driver, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my inner spring mattress becomes a rack of torture. That could happen even if you've got a waterbed. The lowest of serfs can sleep, but I, not I. I really must acknowledge the fact that I am a slave to every man on whom I pour my vials of wrath. I think Jesus gave the answer when James and John wanted him to call down fire from heaven and consume these people because they wouldn't give them lodging. These disciples were believers. They were followers of Christ. Yet, mind you, these Christians, smarting from the sting of racial discrimination, were so full of carnality that they besought the Lord to call down fire on that village. And here was the Lord's answer. You don't know what kind of spirit you're speaking from. Failure to possess Christ's spirit will make us susceptible to many diseases of body and mind because when we are shamefully wronged by someone, we just can't resist the temptation to get even or to hold on to that bitterness although it means paying for us a very, very high price. Christ can crucify the carnal spirit if we drive the spikes into everything in our lives that he marks for destruction. Gene said that's exactly what happened in his life. Dr. Parrott preached on the need for the filling, for the baptizing, for the cleansing of the Holy Spirit, and that's what God did. Then... We are candidates for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11, Paul is talking to a church, and you know there was much division in that church. And in verse 18, he said, First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there's divisions among you. There's bitterness, there's an unforgiving spirit, they're divided. And then he talks about the specific division in the Lord's Supper. So he tells them how to how to conduct the Lord's Supper. So right after that section, he says. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so the next verse is this. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you. And many die. Those people were literally killing themselves because they were divided and they were harboring this bitterness within their heart. An unwillingness to reconcile, pride, divisions were literally killing those people, and bitterness and unforgiveness is a killer. It'll kill you physically, it'll kill you emotionally, it'll wreck you mentally, and it'll wreck you spiritually. What was it Gene said? I felt like in some times I was right at hell itself. That's what can happen to an unresolved bitterness. Some of you here tonight might have something that is in your life that needs to be released you just need to let go of it you've been harboring it it's been eating at you you just need to let it go there are only two options you'll either punish yourself somehow consciously or unconsciously or it can be forgiven Dr. Buckner says that he always goes back to this word in his counseling session that there's only one way only one way on this earth to get rid of bitterness. And God's given it to us. It's a little word called forgiveness. You say, well, I can't. I've tried before. I just need more grace or something to be able to forgive. I think the scripture comes to our rescue for it said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you want grace enough to forgive, then all you have to do is be willing to humble yourself. Because the next verse says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. He will give you that grace that it takes. And when you mean business with God, he'll mean business with you. For in the same measure you measure, it shall be measured unto you. And if you harbor any kind of bitterness, if you're holding something against someone else and you are wanting to get rid of it, then tonight your whole body, your soul, and your spirit are crying to be free. You know that. It's happening within you. And it can happen tonight in a moment of time. That's all it takes, is a moment of time. And if you're willing to humble yourself before God and before other people, He'll give you all the grace you need to be able to forgive. In fact, God would have never asked you to forgive other people if it were impossible for you to do. He always gives you the grace to meet any situation that you're in. I'd like for us to stand together. I told you it was going to be a sermonette, and it was. But I believe that there was great power tonight in Gene's testimony. He spoke out of the testimony of his life I've only reinforced what he said by the word of God. But I know that there are some people here tonight that you're holding on to something that someone or somebody or some institution has done. Have You've been wronged and you've never released it. It's still eating on you a little bit. Maybe you've tried to deal with it before, but it's never just really released. That can happen tonight. God can do that for you before you leave this building. I'd like for us to turn to 246. And as we turn to that hymn, let that be your invitation. Purpose to mean business with God tonight. And he will mean business with you. Lord Jesus, in the quietness of this moment, in the sacredness of this hour, we pray for those tonight that would have spiritual need. We know that none of us have come to a place of arrival where we are going to be all before God that we ever will be. But we believe, Lord, that there's some people here tonight that have some unfinished business with you. And in that unfinished business, they're harboring bitterness. They've not come to that point of release where they're able just to let go and let you have their emotions so that you can be God once again and say vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord we pray right now for a spirit of honesty to fall upon us and a spirit of strength and courage and boldness so that that person will be able to do what they really want to do deep down in their heart and they can believe that you can deliver them in a moment of time if they would humble themselves before you. May the Holy Spirit rule in our hearts. In Jesus' name. I want you to be honest enough tonight to say that somehow you might be willing, might have been unwilling not to forgive God. For some of you, if you're really honest, would say, yes, God's let me down. There's some things in the past that I was trusting Him for and He didn't come through. And you're holding that against God. And it's causing you to be held down spiritually. You'll never know His full will for your life. Unless you're willing just to surrender that. And get that bitterness away from God. Don't attach any bitternesses to God Himself. As we sing that third verse, that might be your need tonight. Say, God, I've never really been able to say thank you for this. I've never really rejoiced in this. In fact, I've always resented you having brought that into my life. And I just want release from that tonight. I want all that burden gone. You know, there's a different spirit here tonight. Last Sunday night when I preached, there was such a freedom of people to come and such an open response. But there's a struggle going on in this congregation tonight. I can sense it. I can feel it. I know what's happening. I feel like wrestling with it. God is trying to break the hold that that bitterness has on your life tonight, and He can do it. That's what grace is all about. That what's, that's what deliverance is all about. That's what forgiveness is all about. And your heart is crying out for it. Don't let Satan defeat you at this point when you can have victory at this altar before you leave. I'd encourage the Christians to join and let's pray as the organ just plays through that last, that last verse and that last chorus. Set us free, set us free, release us from that hold of bitterness. God is here. God is here in a very real way. Thank the Lord. I'd like to invite those who would like to join these at the altar tonight. I believe there's some serious business that people is talking over with the Lord. There's some deep work that needs to be done. And I know you want to share in that. Let's pray a prayer of benediction. Heavenly Father, tonight, we thank you that you have come into this world to set us free. Not to put the shackles on, but to free us from Satan himself and everything he would try to bind us with. Thank you for Gene's testimony tonight. Oh, the power of the Holy Spirit that was evidenced when he gave the testimony of the victory that God gave him. And we pray, Lord, that those that are kneeling here would find that victory. They would be able to let go and let you have what you've been asking for all along. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to be sensitive to your leadership as we walk with you this week. Thank you for this day. For the service that you gave us this morning and for your presence here this evening. We love you and we want to serve you with all of our heart. In Christ's name, amen. If you must go, then we ask you to go quietly. If you'd like to remain and pray at your seat, then we invite you to do that as well.